When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. She's a clinical psychologist, a certified sex therapist. She writes, she lectures. She's one of the leaders of Radio Call-In. And she really works all over the world. Everyone calls her Dr. Judy. And so tell me about you. What have you been up to? Oh, Joan, I love you. You are the best. My God, we have go back a long time being pioneers. You have been giving your audiences such great advice all these decades. So bless you, bless you, bless you. I cherish you. Yes, you, we started years ago. Years I my ago. first time in being. What? I said years ago. In fact, I met your mother in a local little beauty parlor. It was, you know, in the West 40s, 100 years ago. All right. So My mother is yeah. an angel. And mm. when I started on the radio, you remember, you did too, in 1980 on yeah. WABC, the day the music died. And I used to go on the air from nine to midnight every night, three hours, all mm. Monday through Friday, with answering people's questions. And they were all over the place to the questions about relationships, which they still were. Then I went to WOR, you know that. And then Z100 was talking a lot to young people. We would go, all, music would stop, and then we'd come on the air talking about love and sex and questions. But on WABC, it was also the Yankees were on. And so when the talk went on the field, when it was raining, Dr. Judy would come on talking about sex. So we went from baseball to sex. And my mom was so sweet. She listened every night. And when there were questions about babies pooping or things like that, I would call her in the breaks and say, Ma, what do I answer? Yeah. I knew about relationships, but not about babies. Right. <laughs> but the your mom was don't... a whiz. Your mom was ah. a whiz. And I remember that you too were, you did sports, weren't you? A baseball pitcher and you did all that stuff and you had a band. Oh, yes. I was, uh, I played football with my husband, played football and baseball at the Friars Club. I played on that team, a big sports fan. I played in a band, all girl band back then uh, with, uh, and I used to do the Fleetwood Mac songs. The Rihanna it was like the Rihanna yeah. stand in. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, I mean, I used to encourage people that if they wanted a full life, they could explore a lot of different things. And then, of course, everybody, Joan, had the same questions, by the way, over and over again. And to this day, now, how many years? For 50 years later, people still have 40-some-odd years that have the same questions. The biggest question from people who had a relationship, how do I keep the spark alive? It's still a problem. And from single people, where do I go to meet someone? Of course, okay, you know, now there's question. all the internet things, but it's still the major issues. Yeah. 
And I'm curious with 9-11, of course, do you find that people are still turning to you to help them get through it, even though they may not have actually been there? Does this kind of event leave scars forever? It does leave scars forever. It is called an anniversary reaction, and I've written about it in professional journals and uh, on in newspapers and magazines a lot, that it's really like a, a marriage, a divorce, uh, getting a house, having a baby, uh, your first love. These are marker, we call them marker events that are transitional, that you remember where you were when it happened, and the feelings returned. Of all your listeners, they remember major events in their life. Unfortunately, as time goes on with 9-11, it recedes a little bit, uh, except when the news comes back on, and then people get that feeling again. And I once wrote an op-ed, Joan, that was about how angry I was when the mayor, Mayor Bloomberg at that time, said, get over it already. And I wrote an ABC.com you know, op-ed saying, get over it. No, some people, Joan, need to process every year. There are others, by the way, more men than women, because we know of this, despite generalizations, women are more emotional. They like to talk more. Men like to get on with it, fix the car, fix the air conditioner, whatever. Um, but there are people who just say enough is enough. I don't want to think about it. And then there are a lot of people who have emotions and they need to process it. It's the same with everything. Whatever, you know, goes on. There are talkers and there are silencers. Mm hmm. And of course, a lot of people respond to what you call marker events in very negative ways or lose control. They and do, and they don't sometimes know why. So when this, when this lead up happens and they hear things on the radio, like now we're talking or on, they watch it on TV or somebody reminds them about it, they may have an, this is so typical, I write about it a lot. They have an argument with their spouse or they're yelling at their children or they can't sleep and they're not really sure why. And it is related to these underlying feelings. And it's the same with it, with every major event. When you build up even to Christmas and Hanukkah, any holiday, it's the lead up to a big event. And, you know, we still have terrorism. We still have, oh, look, today there was a major shooting. I mean, these events happen in our lives. They're not as big as the international crisis. But, you know, with COVID, it brought back a flood of feelings about 9-11, about tsunamis, about superstorms in our area when we had the, the storm in New Jersey and New York and Brooklyn. I mean, people have these feelings and they need to know you're normal. It's okay if you have them, that the problems that you're having, if you're escalating in your irritability now, it could be related to this. Get it out. Talk about it. Even if you want to pretend it didn't happen, which yeah. some people do, 
But, you know, it comes up for me having walked the pit, we call it, the pit where the planes went down and the big hole in the ground. I mean, I suffer a lot when the lead up and the group I belong to and I go to the night to the Mount Sinai program for all my problems with my nose and breathing and all these things. So even for those of us who were there right in the smack of it, um, it's it's a serious problem. And I I like to be able to say to my close friends, guess what? This is a tough time for me. But let me ask you, do you find that COVID had that kind of crisis reaction to? Oh, my or God, Joan. was it on a different plane? Oh, Joan, this is going to last forever and ever because 9-11 was a, a horrible but an event. Bang, it happened. We, you know, had long aftermath of the recovery and and it still goes on and on. But COVID, ah, we're going to be living with this forever. Everybody's going to remember where they were also these whole two years, what it was like, the isolation. As a psychologist, it's not ending with people talking about it and the children's problems with going back to school and their interruption, the fact that they have they can't even talk to people because they're so busy uh, having been on a screen. They don't know how to communicate. It's just COVID babies, you know, who didn't have any interaction. As a psychologist, I know this from developmental psychology. People who had babies and the babies weren't socialized with, with talking to strangers. It's just mm. awful. And we're going to be living with this. Forever. So as a psychologist, I'm just always hearing about this and talking to people about every level, their relationships, that people that broke up over COVID, that really it was too intense to be together, arguing all the time. It's just been awful. And I even had it myself. And so I know what it's like from all angles. It was just awful. I nearly died. Hi, and there, of course, the mental challenges, as you point out, aren't going anywhere. They're here. They're here, and they're ongoing. And we then we had Delta. Now we have Omicron. Granted, people aren't dying as much, but they're not wearing masks as much. I went to my nephew's wedding in San Diego. People, there were two people wearing a mask. Some weddings have been super spreaders. Um, you know, it's just uh, uh, astounding. Mm. Yesterday I went to a reading of Frida. Oh, you love culture, Joan. You are the culture maven. I went to a reading of Frida, of Frida Kahlo. The musical is going to be coming hopefully oh, to Broadway. Yeah. Tell me about it. Oh, it was fantastic. They played eight songs and the story of the relationship mm. between Diego, I mean, and Frida Kahlo, two massively well-known artists, yeah. and thirty-seven million dollars they paid for one of her paintings recently. Mm. I mean, this is going to be a big hit. But the love—I mean, they had—they were toxic relationship. When he asked for her fa- for her hand in marriage to the father, he said, "But you know, she's a, she has demons," and he said, "That's great. Mm. I love that." And they married, got divorced, married again. 
And still, you know, that he when she died, mm. he said she was the love of my life. I couldn't have lived without her, and I don't want to. <laughs> and then three years later, he died. But it was quite a love story. Uh, I mean, all of us, by the way, really, Joan, we all want to be loved, like, you know, till the end of time. That 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 statement that I love you, you are my life. Mm that he, Diego, said to Frida was, oh, I got chills last night. It was so amazing. And I am actually invested so, in the piano lesson. You have to come see it. Oh, you're kidding. No. What made the you change, you know, I know. Tell me about it. What made you get involved? Hey, yeah, I know. You said this is like the whole thing you didn't know that I invest in Broadway. I did Tina and Ain't Too Proud. And good both for, of those hey, good for you. Two hits. Well, they yeah, were hits. I know. Well, the theater COVID has hit. suffered. Oh, my yeah, God. Tough. Even hope. now, it's tough. I, absolutely. But there's a lot of plays coming. I mean, Piano Lesson yeah, with Samuel L. Jackson starting into, in a month. So yeah, it, no, it's, it's my exciting. first. exciting. Very. We so, you know what? We this love is it. how to get over the horrors of COVID, the 9-11, you know, anniversary, anything anybody's dealing with that is anxious in their life is get involved in something that gives you pleasure and get those endorphins, chemicals in your brain. You know, you talk about sex leads to those endorphins and running leads to the activity. So thrills lead to floods of chemicals, pleasure chemicals in your brain. Get them going. <laughs> well, Judy, I'm talking to Dr. Judy Koryansky. I mean, Judy herself, because she is always during moments of crisis counseling people, rarely gets time to deal with her own angst, having been at so many of these horrific events. So the counselor sometimes needs a little bit of help too. And this is a time with anniversaries and reminders and endless pandemics for people to really take stock, right? Do you, what do you think, do people really need a lot of help or can they deal with it themselves? Well, uh, I'm prejudiced about it because I know how helpful it could be to talk it out to someone. And for everybody who's listening, if you have a trusted friend or partner, then indeed, that's a good time to really take advantage of sharing something very intimate with that person. People walk around with secrets, Joan. They need to get it out and with a trusted person and certainly with a, a, a professional. There are very good professionals who understand how to help people. Now, I mean, you mentioned my mom. I used to talk to my mom. Unfortunately, she's gone. She always uh, was so loving and so li good listener, not changing the topic. Mm. Now, my best friend is Russell Daisy, who co-wrote the 9-11 song that nice. I hope you'll play because we wrote this. He was in my class at Columbia uh, where I teach about intimacy. And now I teach about the United Nations. But we wrote that song, Hot Towers of Light, and it is a healing song that is very beautiful. So uh, he's my best friend. I talk to him. I have to be able to talk. I'm a psychologist. I have to be able to talk about my feelings. 
So about 9-11, there's the organization, Voices and Resilience, and we get together every year and during the year, and we talk things out, and, you know, it's a, it's a relief. If you're going to, you know, some people want to take a bath. Some people <laughs> want to go for a walk. Right. Uh, anything you do to get rid of your pressure, do it. It's good to talk to you. Take care of yourself, and I look forward to talking again. I love you, Joan. Thank you, Judy.